This is the Beard Winner Podcast, Episode 4. of the Beard Winner Podcast. I am joined by a friend of mine who I've been fortunate enough to know since high school. His name's Alex, and boy, has it been really cool to watch him develop his creativity in music, photography, videography, and more recently, he conquers mountains. So without any further ado, what's up, Alex? How's it going, man? Ah, It's going pretty well. I really am happy to have you on the show. I definitely talked you up on the previous episode, but you and I have kept touch over the years, and your photography has always been excellent no matter what, even when you were using very old iPhones. So what really got you into taking photos? Um, I think it just came as like a, I don't know, just started in high school. I just bought a camera. I was We lived next to that Mile High Lake over there in Glenwood, yep. and every day I would drive by, and there'd be like fog and everything coming off the lake. It'd be real pretty in the fall. I was like, man, I really wish I could just like capture that. Went out, bought a cheap little D60, and uh, kind of just spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> right on. And what are you shooting today now? Uh, right now, I've actually switched over to mirrorless, so I'm uh, shooting a Sony uh, A7R2. Very cool. Yeah, Sony is yeah. a great system. I honestly, I can't bash on them. They Nikon, your previous system, they use Sony sensors, but my only real beef is that the ergonomics is there. But anyone who can get past, like you and my buddy Nick, uh, wow, it's a great system, and you come on with some great photos and video. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Compact, super nice. It's it's really good for like hiking and everything like that. So you don't have to carry the big old bundles on there. <laughs> oh yeah, and speaking of hiking, you climb. I don't want to. I said a couple, but how many fourteen thousand foot mountains do you conquer a year on average? On average, well, it's kind of gotten a little anyway, goofy over the past couple of years with the birth of my kid and everything like that. But um, I think the one year I did like ten, I did five the next year. Um, I just hit 20 this year, so I'm 20 out of the 58 here in Colorado. So Holy crap. <laughs> and the really cool thing is, how do you find time to do that? Because the reason that you stand out, and there's so many of my friends who create videos, they create photos, and they're in the music scene, but you're able to climb mountains. You're also an amazing father to anyone who knows you. Um, your wife is extremely happy with you, and everyone who is lucky enough to be your friend everyone sings your praises. So how do you find time to do that? Ah, uh, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hands down. Yeah. She does a really good job of, uh, watching the kid. Cause I, I usually go out on weekdays to avoid the crowds. Just so much nicer when you have a mountain yourself, you're not doing a conga line or anything like that up the mountain. So yeah, she does a good job of watching the kid and just helping out and letting me go when I want to go. And I'm fortunate enough, my day job, um, kind of lets me do that hop off in the middle of the week and everything like that so i'm pretty fortunate to have a good support system as far as that goes oh for sure and when you actually do hiking and, and honestly people need to check out your instagram um, to see the process behind it but what do you do for a typical hike because you're able to find be- the best spots for photos the best spots for video and then actually deliver to people who follow your journey the ascent and the descent up the mountain right yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a bit of a process to start off with. And I guess I should probably say, first of all, I'm still pretty novice when it comes to a lot of these. I'm still kind of in the beginning phases. But uh, yeah, so I've kind of conquered all the ones that are 
pretty close to me within driving distance uh, before I would just wake up two o'clock in the morning, get to the trailhead by like four o'clock in the morning type deal. But as I've gotten progressively further and further away from the front range, it's it driving four to five hours at two o'clock in the morning or getting up at midnight, just it didn't work out. So now essentially what I do is uh, I'll, I'll pack my car up. Um, I've got actually got a nice little camping rig in there. I just car camp in my car. So I'll drive down the night before. Um, most of these places have really good dispersed camping near them, which is awesome. So I'll just kind of pull off to the side of the road, set my rig up in my car and just pass out for the night. Next morning, I wake up two or three, <laughs> start in the dark and just kind of start trucking along. So it's cool. Cool. And what catches your eyes when you're when you're climbing the mountain or actually going down the mountain besides the fact that you have to stop to take a breath? Like, is there certain things that jump out where you need to take a photo or you're just like, oh, I'm going to sip on some water and flip out my camera because I, I need an excuse to stand here just a little bit longer? Right. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right on. <laughs> no, I, I, so the funny thing is about when, when, when you're doing those hikes and stuff like that, um, everything's pretty. And so you have like a really bad natural tendency to just like, and, and I've gotten a little bit better this as it goes along, but I've gone from like thousands and thousands of photos every hike to down to just a couple. Um, but yeah, you got to kind of still set your pace while you're doing it. So you, you got to worry about afternoon thunderstorms a lot and stuff like that. So um, as you kind of go up, you got to realize you're kind of getting the same shot over and over and over again. And people aren't going to want to see that same shot from just a little bit higher, a little bit lower. So you kind of got to pick your battles and pick and choose and, you know, a lot of it, uh, you going down in these big old valleys and everything like that. So you get these big, vast sweeping landscapes and everything like that. So you'll get a lot of those. And then when you get up to the top, um, finding different peaks and stuff like that, that are able for like, people can point out, you can see a lot of other 14ers from the 14ers. So it's pretty cool. Like, um, I, I find a lot of people grab the attention when I'm like, Hey, I can see Mount of the Holy cross from the top of this mountain and stuff like that. Like, Hey, I've been on top of that one and stuff like that. So uh, the different things like that, trying to point it out. And obviously you'll see the cool stuff like fun rock formations, lakes, stuff like that. Okay. And, and what has you decide, or is it just instinct to go from photo or video when you're up there? Is, is it just... uh, a little bit. Yeah. It's just, it just kind of switches and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of times where I'll just probably do video um, only uh, really with the, the, the photo and the video stuff is the photo. I'll just kind of like snap a couple photos get my good shot. And then I'll kind of just find, usually they'll kind of play off the same area, which is nice. You know, if I'm taking a shot with a rock in the foreground, you know, I can kind of use that rock in the video, come up, focus, bend, focus out type deal. So. Very cool. And do you let emotion play into your photos and videos? Because I'm segueing with this question because you yeah. have a musical background and you're very capable of conveying a story and an emotion, at least on my end of the receiving end, watching videos that you shot and even inspiring me to do things like CrossFit, which I'm very out of shape compared to you. I, I want to do it every time I watch one of your videos. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that, that's 99% of the, the, the reason you do it. Um, you know, you, you, really want to show people the true beauty of what you're going on and what you're seeing and stuff like that. So a lot of my photos are driven through that. Like if I stop and I feel something and I'm just like, wow, that's when I'm stopping. That's when I'm doing my stuff and I'm doing my darn best to convey that to everybody. You know, a lot of this stuff, like my friends and family all back home, they don't get to see a lot of this stuff. So my main goal in life and, you know, is to show this to those people. You know, be able to show them, hey, you know, you guys can do this kind of stuff too. You can come out and see that this is what you can see. 
you know, and if you can't see, I hope you still get the same like love and joy out of these photos and videos that I do. So that's really like the driving factor behind a lot of these photos. So nice. And then with that, so me getting back into hiking and I've gone to Colorado a couple times to visit you and gone around some hairpin turns with you going much <laughs> faster than what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And I can see why you camp out now, but um, you'd probably want to start out with a 14,000 foot mountain. You would definitely want to look at something like all trails and find some moderate hikes and then condition yourself. What would you do to prepare yourself to start to get up to your level? 100%. Yeah. Um, kind of like when I first started out on the whole journey, I uh, just kind of, we when first moved out here, I just hit a bunch of trails really, 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 really close to us. Um, so I'm just outside of Fort Collins. So I've got like Horse Tooth Reservoir. I'm very fortunate enough to be only like 40, 45 minutes away from Rocky Mountain National Park. So I've hit about just about every trail you can think of there multiple times. Um, that kind of stuff, those little seven, eight miles, maybe even three, four mile ones, you know, just to get yourself going, changing different elevation gains, stuff like this. Um, the big one that helped me and um, <laughs> to segue into the CrossFit thing, um, I actually, on you go through a lot of these hiking forums and then like, you know, people, you got to learn this kind of stuff to get into it. And one of the groups I always said that I kept seeing it pop up a lot and a lot was, hey, try CrossFit. It helps out a lot. And, you know, that's probably the biggest one that's helped me out, especially with like leg strength and stuff like that. I'd have a lot of t trouble when I first started going down the mountain. Um, with my knees, my legs, my quads hurting really, really bad and stuff like that. So a lot of really good leg driven movements and building up that endurance for this type of stuff. So, and you've gone all out with CrossFit. I mean, if, am I correct on that? You're now certified as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually coach at my gym now. Um, so I coach a couple days a week there and it's, yeah, I, I guess you could say I've fully like server merged myself in one of those things. It was one of the, probably the more pleasant surprises I've ever found in my life. I didn't come out looking for something that was going to kind of change my life. And yeah, I'm definitely sipping the Kool-Aid now. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I teased in episode three, I said, well, Alex is probably going to see me saying that my previous injuries and whatnot is an excuse not to do CrossFit. So with that, that's most likely my ignorance and misconceptions about CrossFit. What do you think the biggest misconception about CrossFit and the barrier of entry is to getting into it? You know, a lot of there's a couple of different things. A lot of people now when they see CrossFit, they just see, you know, elite athletes just going out, going just completely balls of the wall, um, lifting heavy weights, throwing huge things above their head. And it just looks just generally impossible. Well, that's the the 1% of the 1% that you're seeing in the Netflix documentaries and everything like that. When you, when you, when you go to a normal gym, there's everyday Joes like us. Okay. Um, and it's just a varied variety of people. Like at our gym, you know, I've got a bunch of guys my age, you know, 32, 33. Um, and we're, we still try to think that we're really good athletes and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, in the same right, you know, we've, we've actually got a, you know, quite a few like elderly people that come to the gym um, just to stay active, stay moving. Um, a bunch of younger people um, trying to get ready for sports, stuff like that. So um, it, it really is, it, it is kind of for everybody, which is super nice. And it's, it's just all included. So. Cool. And are there any red flags with your experience, like just knowing if someone's trying to push you a little bit too hard or to know whether or not someone's giving you good advice? Because I've known you for a heck of a long time and we've already said we're in our 30s, so over a decade. But how how would you read someone like who could be in a different part of the country who wants to start CrossFit and say, you know, I want to make sure this person's not leading me down the wrong path to injury or anything like that? Uh, that's actually a super good question. And I believe that's probably a lot of people's fear when they, they start seeing CrossFit and stuff like that. And probably when they're things that they don't ever walk into. The first thing I would tell you to do, go to your nearest box, hop in with them, 
see the culture, see what's going on. That's the hugest part of this. Just getting in there, getting moving. All of us coaches, we're all, we've all been through training. We've all been certified. We're able to spot flaws. We're able to really a huge chunk of that training is spotting flaws, making sure nobody gets hurt and everything like that. So I would just really don't be scared. Walk into a box. Your coach will direct you wherever you need to go. You know, not everyone's going to come up. When I first started CrossFit, I couldn't even do a pull-up. Wow. I mean, I, I would go into the bro gym, pop up on that machine, use the assisted pull up, get about 10 and feel real good about myself. Hey, you're describing so, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, we, we've, we've all got to start somewhere. So, um, yeah, I, I've seen people come in that have barely been able to squat before. And then now, you know, they're squatting with a barbell. They're squatting with weights on the barbell. You know, proper form is just it, it's super key when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So get into a box no one will do you wrong. <laughs> oh, for sure. And and that's something when you do videos and you're able to inspire people to do CrossFit, what is, without giving away all of your secrets, what's your secret sauce to have people become as impassioned about it, something as you are? Because that even goes back to when you were shooting videos for the bands that you were in or bands that you helped out with. Like you're able to just immerse us as a viewer. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, I, you know, funny is I just finished episode three today of your and uh, you kept you kept going back to one thing, telling a story, telling a story, making people feel emotion and everything like that. And dude, I I, I just one hundred percent couldn't agree more. Um, especially with like the CrossFit and stuff. Um, my favorite thing is every year we have a what's called like a CrossFit Open. Um, it's basically just everybody in the world can compete in the same thing, the same workouts. It's basically, if I remember right, it's the world's largest competition. Oh, cool! A couple weeks and stuff like that. So. The cool thing about this one is that you'll see a lot of people get their first movements, like their first muscle up, their first pull up, their first double under to see people do those and be able to put that into a video and see the excitement on their faces and everything like that. Dude, I like being in person. It's the greatest thing ever, but for them to be able to like watch that over and over or see somebody else, see them do this and realize that they can't do it. Like to be able to tell that story, I, I, there's no better other thing. <laughs> Oh, for sure. And you're also able to tell that story, which when we're shifting gears just a bit, well, quite a bit with weddings. So I, I don't yeah. want I don't want to divert from that. And when was the last wedding oh. that you've done? Because your wedding videography, regardless of the music choice, your camera angles, I mean, that immerses anyone into it. Like, I don't even know half these couples, A, you're shooting in beautiful locations, but B, the shots that you get just make you want to get to know these couples and say, hey, I want to have a beer with these people. And the cool thing is, is that when people are able to truly smile and accomplish things that they're not able to accomplish, you can see that that's genuine. And same thing when you're at a wedding, you're able to get to know a couple, you're able to actually see genuine love. And that's something that I want to know how you do that, because I tried wedding photography, wedding videography is a whole nother animal. But do you get to know your clients? Do you interview them? Are they your friends? Like, how, how are you able to, to help us get to know them like they're our best friends when they're complete strangers? You know, it, it really just comes down to sitting back and letting this day tell the story itself. And that's really kind of what it comes down to. Uh, I've shot videos for friends, shot videos for people I have no idea. A lot, a lot of the first couple of videos I did, um, I had a good buddy of mine, and actually he was a videographer, or the photo guy for our wedding, Dan Hand, oh, nice. um, really helped me out and uh, set me up with a few video uh, video gigs. And I had no idea who the couples were. I had a couple days notice and uh, just went in there and the story just kind of, I was super nervous about it and everything, but the story just kind of 
started unfolding itself as the day goes along. You get to know the people, um, especially when you don't know them. You get to know them. You get to, you know, see what, how they react to different things and stuff like that. And then you kind of start anticipating shots and, you know, anticipating how people are going to react to things, how the dad's going to react during the speech and stuff like that. So being able to get those key moments is is super huge when it comes to that stuff. And when you're putting that in the video, I mean, nothing's better than when seeing like something that just really brings out raw emotion. Or my favorite thing ever is when people say, Oh man, I bawled so hard out of happiness when you know I saw this part in this video and stuff like that. I mean, I, I did my job right. <laughs> and, and sometimes when you're behind the lens, you're crying too. I'm I'm okay. not afraid to admit that I've done it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even ashamed a little bit about that, man. <laughs> but and when you're on location and you have that downtime, is that when you're getting your B-roll footage? Because like just the thought of taking pictures of an incandescent light bulb or something like that, just to fill in that that space in there. Right. Yeah. That's that downtime. Yeah. That's usually when I grab a quick snack, you know, grab some water, but yeah, that's when I'm really, and especially when location changes and stuff like that, that's usually kind of a key part for that. Um, you know, you go from the wedding venue to the reception area and stuff like that. There's going to be a little bit of while, um, in between when things start up again, that's when, yeah, you get you all your beautiful footage, those kind of fun, you know, artsy shots and stuff like that. That just really help kind of tie the whole thing and bring in the whole emotion of the video. Nice. And so with c conveying those emotions, what happens if your bride and groom are boring? Is there any way you can actually make them more fun? Because when I my last wedding, I did admittedly, the husband was boring. He was worried about a shuttle coming down to Castle Unicorn, which you're very well aware of. And we couldn't get groomsmen right. photos. So how do you nicely encourage them and to say, hey, you're going to get as much out of this as you put into it? Right. And I mean, and that's what it is. But I guess if my thought process on it it's it's kind of my job to get that out of them too true um make them feel comfortable enough to me where they were just kind of like you know goofing around talking and stuff like that because when 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 you're you know talking with them having fun those moments are just going to kind of like happen and then and, and they really do um you just got to be ready for them. oh for sure and how how has uh COVID impacted all of this so um, we've talked about climbing mountains, which I'm sure mountains are still there and access probably is not as restricted as what the government would want it to be at one point in time. And also when it comes to CrossFit and uh, videography and photography. Right. So, um, I guess the, the one thing that one that really kind of affected us was with like the coaching and stuff like that. We had to, um, kind of shut down the gym for a few months, um, which was kind of rough for everybody. Um, but we ended up doing Zoom calls. Um, we basically have everyone come into a Zoom room. I teach the class, be able to watch everybody. And that was actually kind of fun because I'd be able to work out with the people while they were doing it. Cool. And, you know, when you're kind of like, you know, quarantined alone and stuff like that, it's nice to know that other people are like still wanting to do this and still, you know, going through that pain and suffering and working out and everything with you. So that was super nice. And we've kind of been slowly easing back into it. We had to first start off with just doing like a couple people in the class. We can only have like six people in at a time. Um, it's getting a little bit more open now and kind of back to normal. So that's super nice. Um, mountains. Yeah. We were pretty well restricted to our counties, uh, for the first part of, you know, when everything kind of got locked down. So, um, I kind of missed out on the early season hiking. Um, no big deal though. I've been kind of just knocking them out as I can now though. Um, still type of thing. It's you go to a lot of those small towns in the mountains, that guy. So if I ever stop to get gas or anything like that, I'm putting on my mask and before I go into the gas station, everything like that. I don't want to be the one guy that ruins it for everybody. <laughs> no, it's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as weddings and videos and stuff like that go, I've, I've actually kind of taken a, a break from that, uh, over the past year or two. 
um, with my son being born and everything like that, I kind of figured it was probably best um, to be able to spend that time with him and everything like that. So I'm on a bit of a hiatus for that as of right now. And it'll probably go a little bit further here because my we're actually expecting our second child in November. So yeah. Uh, Congrats, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Are you guys having a boy or a girl? Uh, another boy. Yeah, another so boy. Yeah. Amazing. No. And that's, that's cool that you're able to figure out what you're most passionate about and not have so many irons in the fire, but still be able to put that iron back in the fire, you know, when there's more time. I mean, you actually just visited a childhood place of mine, Red Feather Lakes, Colorado. And that's some places I I used to spend almost every Labor Day weekend up there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a beautiful area up there. And man, I, I, to be able to have my kid enjoy stuff like that. Cause growing up in the Midwest, you didn't really have stuff like that. You know, I mean, there's lakes and stuff like that, but I mean, it's nothing like a mountain, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, that's really why we even moved out here is to basically provide those. No. And, and it also allows you an outlet to have photography. I mean, any of your family photos, you're the one who's taking the majority of those, correct? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, yeah, and they're yeah. some of the best family photos out there. I mean, I, I've actually had people say, hey, who does Alex's photos out in Colorado? I'm like, well, I should ask him sometime, but it's probably yeah. him. So, Yeah, it's, it's usually me with the tripod or my uh, sister-in-law or my mother-in-law are really good about just like, all right, I got everything set. You guys just press the button. We'll be good. Nice. So yeah. any any future mountains that you plan on scaling soon? or? Yeah, I, I, I plan on getting as many as I can in this year. Um, just because I probably won't be able to do too many last next year with uh, two kids. So. Uh, my goal this year is to actually finish off the Sawatch range. Um, it's basically just right. A giant mountain range goes from about Leadville to, uh, like Buena Vista Slida area. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you don't know that it's kind of like just outside of copper mountain. Um, so there's, it's a good, like 14, I think there's 14 or 15 of them in that range. So I've knocked out about seven of them now. So my goal is to knock out that range this year and, uh, start dabbling. I did, which I believe Risto range and. That was super nice getting into a different area of Colorado. Be that different the landscapes and there's way more dramatic peaks, um, kind of not just big giant hills a lot of the time and stuff like that. So, man, yeah, I, my humble peak hike took quite a while because I just kept staring at the Crestone. You know, stopping taking pictures every chance I could. Oh yeah, taking it all in. And have you climbed outside of Colorado and internationally at all? Uh, I have not. Um, I mean, I've done like mountains and other places, California stuff like that, but I didn't really get into hiking this this seriously until I moved out here kind of one of those things we you know snowboarding was our thing yeah we're going to do a lot of snowboarding and stuff like that and then someone talked about snowboarding down this 14,000 foot peak and I was like well that sounds like it's right (laughs) up my range um so I didn't end up getting to do it that day but it kind of put that bug in the back of my ear and then uh you know a buddy of mine that lived out in Breckenridge was like hey we're gonna go hike this mountain would you like to come and you know sure enough I hopped on there and it's just kind of spiraled out of control since there <laughs> then was that Quandry is that the first one it was Quandry. yeah I was nice. right outside of Breck yeah okay I did the easier one that's next to Quandry and I thought that was hard but and they had a rescue that day so what what oh, are, did they rescue? yeah yeah and so with that like people who are just going to be gung-ho like we did talk about getting you know conditioned for it what is how do you know that the hikes can be too technical for you is is it if you have any hesitation or yeah and just check resources um super huge one if anyone ever wants to go hiking and stuff like that and um is 14ers.com uh if you go there it has a list of every single 14er in colorado um they got some rated by difficulty tells you what that difficulty is you know whether it's class one two three four five 
Um, it explains what those each are, you know, class one being the easiest, like a moderate, you know, walking trail of a mountain to five where you're, you know, scrambling and ropes and stuff like that. So, um, that's really cool. It tells you on there. And then it's actually, I even got like a description of the route plus like pictures at each spot during the route and stuff like that. So you're able to really like see these mountains before you go in there. Mm -hmm. Um, even do like trailhead research tells you how difficult the road is to get up to the mountain. You can find dispersed camping there. Um, you can find friends. So uh, what I'll probably end up doing here pretty soon is I'm getting out a lot of the, you know, one class, one, two, three hikes. So I'm going to probably peek out and just try to find some other people who are doing those like class four, class five hikes and stuff like that. Um, just so I'm not in over my head and I know somebody who is there. So very cool. No. And do you have any, like, I know COVID's definitely restricting that, but do you have any other mountains on your radar, like any in Alaska? Like- uh, you know, actually, it's, it's ever since this thing has kind of started and I've been like, oh, man, I can actually, you know, do this hiking thing. It, it could really I'm getting pretty good at it type deal. Um, I, I've always wanted to do like Kilimanjaro. That was my goal when I first started. This was to do that by the time I'm 35. And at this point. I, I think I could probably do it. Um, you know, one of these days, get up to Everest Base Camp, do that kind of stuff. I think that would all be super fun. So that would be amazing. And and on, honestly, one thing that I do have to say is that it probably requires some type of Zen when you're up there because I freaked out when I was going down that that hike near Quandary when your foot sinks through the snowpack in June and you don't oh, know whether yeah. or not you're going into rocks, water, or anything because you're knee deep into you know everything so right yeah post holing like that's it's it's always super nervous i've been there's been times where i've been hiking post through foot goes into a lake you know and you just thank goodness you got that extra pair of socks type deal otherwise you're in a day full of misery <laughs> what do you do to control your anxiety because there's that that guy who does free solo climbing free-handed um the one who climbs like the the faces of mountains what do you do to control your anxiety i know it's, we're not definitely on a ledge like he is but how do you do that no, I mean, you know, there's been some hikes where I've, I've done some pretty good scrambling and stuff like that. Like I've done Long's Peak. If you've ever been anywhere in the front range of Colorado, you can pretty much see it. it's a big giant diamond head out there. Yeah. Um, that's got some pretty sketchy parts to it and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things you just, you kind of just take a deep breath, kind of like you do with, you know, anything like I do. I actually get a lot of practice with it, doing CrossFit and stuff like that, keeping my heart rate low and stuff like that. So, um, but, you know, trust your research you know, you looked it up beforehand, you, you knew this was coming type deal, just be careful, slow, take your time, you know, that type of deal. Nice. And it seems like CrossFit and hiking have, have helped your, your rage. And I, I did have to mention this from a buddy in high, <laughs> yeah. in high school, because we are nerds and we're admittedly <laughs> so. And there was a story of you uh, tossing a controller um, at a TV screen um, when playing Halo. So do you think that you would do that now after the CrossFit and hiking and experience and being a dad? You know, yeah, that, that that's kind of the funny thing about growing up is you're not really that rage monster. You fear you try to suppress it a little bit more. Yeah, I'm not a, you know, Kill Bill five finger punching through a TV these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of those things that you kind of just you grow up having, being a dad, trying to be that role model, you know, trying to figure out this stuff, you know, trying to figure out life. You just it doesn't happen so much anymore. <laughs> Oh, beautiful, man. Well, it's been a great conversation with you, and I encourage anyone to check out Alex's websites and social media. Also plug the websites and resources he plugged during the show, and I wish you a happy and safe 4th of July. Congratulations on the the new baby boy who's coming. What month is he coming? Uh, November. November. All right. So we're going to have another A-strip coming to this world in November to uh, near Fort Collins. We don't need any more of me running around. Right on. Well, we'll let everyone go for now, and I wish everyone a good evening, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Cool. Thanks, man.
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to that chat that I had with my buddy Alex, who I've been fortunate enough to know since high school. That guy is truly the embodiment of inspiration. Right now, he is summiting a 14,100-foot mountain that is really freaking awesome. I mean, I almost dropped the F-bomb there because it truly excites me to know that I have a friend and someone who I can call upon for a positive spirit. And I hope that you take the time to follow him on his social media because if he's able to inspire me to want to do things like CrossFit, he's going to inspire you to want to be creative and just be a better person. Speaking of support, please head on over to beardwinner.com. I would love if you click on the support button in the right-hand corner of beardwinner.com. It'll take you to some brands that I identify with that sell great products. They have great missions. And the awesome thing behind it, to be transparent, is it does not cost you a penny more. And it's brands that you use as well. Like, for instance, Amazon. If you go buy a box of cookies from Amazon, go buy the box of cookies. But go to beardwinner.com and click on support and click on the Amazon link and then buy the box of cookies. It will not cost you any more, not one red cent more, but it'll help support the podcast. I hate asking for that. I don't want it to be a handout. I really want to earn this as being a community and a community leader that spreads love and support. But we do need to start cooking with gas. So if you can... Go to beardwinner.com forward slash support and support the podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. Otherwise, write us a review on Instagram. Um, Not on Instagram, I'm an idiot. Write a review on iTunes or also shoot us a message on Instagram. That's where I would like you to use Instagram or shoot me a message on Facebook. Let me know what you'd like to hear on upcoming episodes, show ideas, guests, anything. Like I said, this is a community. This is about you, not about me. Only things that are really off limit are politics and religion, because like I said, there's plenty of places for you to get that, and this is about being positive and spreading love. Well, thank you once again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Cheers. Mm -hmm.